Hello, and welcome back to the NetHR's Pattern of Progress podcast. I'm Kathy Hernandez, your NetHR consultant, and today we're diving into a topic that I'm always fascinated by, and that is how HR professionals like me and our guests today found our way into HR. As the title of the podcast indicates, accidental HR is a special journey that many of us go on. You choose HR sometimes, but sometimes it also chooses you. Uh, I've always been, let's say, a bit of a compliant personality. I'm the person who always returns the grocery cart, walks on the right side of the mall, and generally avoids the gray areas of life. But I've grown both personally and professionally, and I've learned when to embrace the gray and when to walk the line. And my journey to HR has been a big part of that learning curve. Today, our guest is a individual who I've had the pleasure of working with uh, on and off for the last eight years. She's a seasoned HR professional with over 10 years of diversified experience in HR. She's a certified professional in human resources and holds a certification in people and business leadership. She brings a high level of passion and expertise to her work, and she possesses a stellar record in building robust relationships with leaders, driving compliance efforts, and championing HR transformation projects. And I know this because I've had a first row seat to be able to see all of that. She's worked in both startup and Fortune 500 companies, and I don't want to share too much about her as I'm excited for her to share her own HR journey. So uh, please help me give a warm welcome to my colleague, my friend, and the host of the newly released podcast, HR Telltales, Shawanda Taylor. Shawanda, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Kathy. I'm so excited to be here on the HR Consulting Podcast. And so for me, it's exciting that we're both embarking on this venture. And I, again, I'm just excited to be here and also be your first guest. Yes, of course. I mean, who else would it be? So uh, thank you for joining me today. And before we jump into our topic, I'd love to hear a little bit about your new podcast. I know you just released your your first episode. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my very own podcast is titled HR Telltales. And so, you know, I'm just at a stage in life where I want to hone in on passion projects. So, you know, what are the things that really bring me most joy? And so I launched HR Telltales um, as a way to discuss all things related to people and culture. Um, From my point of view, obviously, as an HR professional, it's really an outlet, if you will. Um, You know, this podcast is just, again, my way of bringing some humor um, into the overlooked part of the human side of HR, as well as the, you know, the workplace. And so it's, it's really a heartfelt endeavor for me and really want to bring a sense of connection and learning and understanding, um, you know, when we transform the way that we view and experience work. So I do have some great topics in store. You know, we'll be excited to have guests joining me in the near future. You know, hopefully, again, I can get you on mine as well. So super excited. And I, I hope that you and other listeners will tune in. Yeah, and I already have. I've already listened to the to the first one. I uh, listened to it on my journey to uh, a friend's house yesterday to do to do my vision board actually for the year. So uh, that was that was what I did on the way. So uh, and you, you know it's you got to have humor I think in the in the roles that we have. So if you don't, then uh, you know I don't think we would survive. So gotta right. gotta have a little bit of humor. Um, so as you know, our topic today is accidental HR, journeys to the heart of HR. Um, I thought it'd be great for us to share how we each have gone from point A to point B in our in our careers, uh, with point A being, you know, the beginning and potentially as far, you know, away from HR as one might get, um, to point B landing us like right into the heart of HR, which is which is where we find ourselves today. Um so hopefully, you know, that's uh, you're prepared to kind of take us way back. Uh, <laughs> 
in your journey. And uh, before we do that, I want to share a little bit about, uh, you know, my journey and how I even thought about this topic and, and why I thought it would be good for us to, to venture into today. Um, you know, as I've already noted, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you over the last eight years. And when I think back to, <laughs> thank you. And when I think back to where you were with, and where I was at the beginning um, of our paths crossing, it seems like so long ago and just like yesterday, all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, it does. It seems like quite a long time ago, but yes, literally yesterday. Um, but when we worked at Express together, I don't recall if it is a meeting if the meeting that I have in mind occurred before or after your arrival, but for it, the presence of that meeting, like where it was happening, I'm pretty sure it was at Express. So hopefully my my uh, brain isn't failing me here. But there was this HR meeting that I attended where uh, it had all, the entire HR organization, which for Express was HR, benefits, compensation, L&D teams. Um, and we all came together to meet our new EVP of HR. Um, or at least that's how I, I remember it anyway. Um, and during that meeting, either all or some of us shared how we found ourselves in HR. And it was such an amazing realization how many people have never really had never really intended down to go down the HR path. Um, but yet here we all were. Um, so yeah. So for fun, what was your first W-2 job? I'm curious. Yeah. You know, well, I have to tell you, I, I don't recall that meeting. So it may have been, you know, before my time. But I, I think that I would have loved to have been in a room <laughs> to, yeah, to really hear a little bit of more about the Express people and how they, you know, got into HR. I'm sure that definitely would have been, um, you know, a, a great uh, thing to have witnessed. Um, but my my first actual W two job um, was working as a cashier for Pet Supplies Plus. Oh, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's it's a retail chain. When you think of like PetSmart, it's very similar. Not sure if it's a Midwest thing, being that I'm from Ohio, but um, Pet Supplies Plus it's a, a retail chain of um, you know U S made pet supplies. They sold like live fish, you know, uh, oh, live small yeah. small pets, crickets all that good stuff um but the funny thing the funny thing is is I was 14 at the time and I just didn't work I just didn't want to work in fast food so all my friends had jobs like at McDonald's and I didn't want to be seen so I was like I want to apply somewhere differently so I ended up uh, applying there they hired me and um I you know I almost quit on my second day of training oh god someone purchased a tarantula and I had to check them out and I have a huge fear of spiders. I still remember the interaction to this day. But yes, my first W two job was at Pet Supplies Plus. So, yeah. I mean, listen, I think there's something in common here, whether we like to to admit it or not. It's retail. It was retail, <laughs> and, and that'll that'll come back around. That'll come back around. And so for me, my first job was also in retail, and you know, technically, yes. that's when the the retail bug hit me. I too was fourteen, working on a work permit. I just you know wanted to get to work, um, but I worked as a sales associate at a retailer called Wieners of all names. Oh my god! And that's uh, I always love to tell that story, especially in age in a, a room full of HR people, right? Because everybody was. But, you know, yes, it, it was a clothing, retail clothing store in Houston, Texas. And, you know, I mean, they sold everything. I like, I I kind of equate it to a bit of a, maybe a Kohl's, but really only clothing, you know, if I had to think about it. But they had all the name brands. They had guests. They had, you know, all the things that, that were uh, big at, at that time for us as teenagers. And so, of course, I, I wanted a discount. <laughs> so I, I, I 
I worked there. But yeah, wieners of all things. Um, wieners. Yes. So quite a quite a story to tell, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Way to lighten the mood, right? Yes, yes. It always is a good little icebreaker. Um, but yeah, when I look back at my career, I'm actually not surprised that I ended up in HR. I think I like to think that I half chose it and it half chose me. Um, you know, like I said, I've I've always been a, a fairly compliant person. I mean, it's you know, there there doesn't tend to be a lot of gray. And when I look back at, you know, the jobs that I've held, you know, I started out in terms of like corporate world in an administrative assistant role that then morphed into an accounts payable role, accounts receivable, um, and payroll, uh, which payroll, as we know, is is not just adjacent to HR. It's Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's very high. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, depending on how large the business is, you might not touch it as much. But in 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 my experience, I've always had to to be very intertwined with HR. But um so yeah, after after those roles, I then moved into what was called total quality management. And so in that space, there's a lot of rules and regulations and standards that you have to to manage to. And so it really the truth same for accounting and payroll, right? There's there's little to no gray area when it comes to paying vendors, paying companies, paying employees. Um, you know, and when it came to total quality management, one of my primary roles was to audit the business, right? Against all the procedures and the SOPs that we wrote. So did we do what we said we did? Um, and so by the time I stepped into HR, my, my affinity for compliance was, it was, you know, not only just ingrained as me as a person, but like it was, it was ingrained in me professionally. Um, and so I, I think about that like first HR role that I had and the exposure that it gave me and like knowing what I know now, I, I realize what an education it truly was. Um, <laughs> And listen, it was not all sunshine and roses. It was actually qu quite the opposite. Um, I'm not going to lie. There were, I'm sure, there were many, many challenges um, that I won't go into. But but my time in that role certainly laid the foundation um, that I needed to go out into the world and progress my HR career. Um, I'm curious, you know, before we go a little bit deeper into some of the things that I did in HR, um, you know, saying that, like, I'm a compliant person, does that resonate with you at all in, in terms of, like, how, how you sort of function in life and how you grow up? Oh my goodness, no. That's not me. You're like, no. For me, I, I think my journey into HR is a little it's a little different in a sense of, you know, I I come from a background of just being service oriented. I as although that although I am um more on the introverted side, I do enjoy interacting with people once I break that shell and I enjoy like helping to support and kind of assisting where needed. So all in all, I knew I was going to wound up in a, a position that was going to allow me to be of support. And so yeah. really that is what tapped into my journey for HR. But my HR story in, in itself is um, a funny one that I am for a, forever grateful for. Yeah. So I was actually working. I was actually working at a bank. And at the time, I was a bank teller and, you know, things were going great. And then unfortunately, there had just been a um, a, a, a whole lot of bank robberies that were happening in the area in which I was banking and yeah. so the branch that I was at. And I had a fear that our branch was going to be next. <laughs> so I, you know, spoke to my <laughs> manager. I spoke to my manager, you know, 
they they kind of understood the fear of it all for me so i put in my immediate resignation and then i had ended up joining um or signing up for temp agency robert half <laughs> because i was looking for a job that you know i would be able to get hired at quickly and i was willing to do you know temp until something permanent came along and so i ended up um you know getting a call back from robert half for a temp assignment at a nonprofit organization as an hr assistant um, to cover just a six-week medical leave for someone. Um, and so when I joined, it was a, a two-person uh, HR team. So as you know, I'm so used to just being a two-person or a very small what? HR atmosphere, which I love. Um, but learn so much. I, you can learn so much, right? Yeah. So, so yes. So hear me out, right? So this HR team, it was just the uh, HR director and the assistant. And so when I came in, you know, I, I wasn't really trained on Anything. Um, and the initial position was just for me to be administrative. So I was just handling like the recruiting, um, doing like the pre-hire task of fingerprinting people. And I mean, at the time I was doing the ink fingerprinting. So that just goes to show a little bit of my age there until we finally moved over to the biometric fingerprinting side. Um, I was doing those background checks. I was doing the education verification and then I was coordinating the trainings. Um, and then passing out the certificates once people completed those trainings. And so, again, that's really what my six-week span of time uh, or my role at the time. But as I was approaching the uh, the ending part of the assignment, the um, the HR director, you know, wanted to continue to extend me. And um, unfortunately, and this was even after the person had returned from their leave, and unfortunately, um, there had been a, a lot of transition that happened at this organization that ultimately, you know, led me to coming on full time as a, a permanent HR um, assistant. And I then was able to get exposure to other parts of HR and get hands-on experience. So you think of benefits, payroll, compliance at the time. Oh, right. yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to put it out there and give a huge shout out to St. Vincent Family Center that is based <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, they offer, you know, the youth behavioral services for children and um, and families. And, you know, it was a, an amazing team of individuals that I got to work with there. So, hey, Angie, Regina, and Paul. Um, and they're still there to this day. That's awesome. It's, like, yeah. it's a huge reason why I'm an advocate for mental health and overall behavior um, health. But um, just to get back to things, I remained in uh, the HR assistant role for about four years. And I was ultimately, you know, ready for something new. So my mentor at the time, Jewel Hatchett, who had done some previous HR and business consulting for St. Vincent Family Center, had connected me with a recruiter uh, for Ad Express, yes. where I got to interview with you and Kelly Boone, and the rest is history, right? <laughs> let's, uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, right. I know. I, I want to dig back there. Uh, I know. Yeah, but it's like the path converged to, right. to, bring you to, to bring you to me. Yes, I love you it. Know, but for me, I think you know, how I got started in HR and, you know, my journey that led eventually to Express, mm -hmm. it, it really is what solidified my desire to continue to grow um, mm -hmm. as an HR professional and as well as in a retail space was, you know, again, I was just being thrown into things, but I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it and I learned so much and I was just like, yes, I can see myself, yeah. you know, continuing to do that. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. how I got started. <laughs> Which I think is, you know, so funny because I was researching like you know what are there statistics right like on 
and, you know, how many people just fall into HR. And I certainly found a lot of articles, so we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later. But I was even listening to the HR Besties podcast um, after I finished yours. I then moved on to theirs to catch up. And one of the things that they mentioned um, when I was listening to, to it was, you know, most people that fall into HR, it's because like the tasks were just given to them, right? They might've been an admin or they might've been in finance or whatever. And it was just like, oh, we need somebody to do this, go do this. And then, you know, two, three years later, you find yourself, you know, running a whole a whole HR department. Um, and so I was like, that's exactly what I'm about to talk about. And um, yes. when I think about the, the first HR job that I had, and it's very similar to yours, it's like you get all this exposure and you're just like, okay, like I, I, this is what I want to do. You know, I, I think before I landed in HR, I had quite a, a uh, I don't know what you want to call it, sort of HR exposure through management, like being a manager. So I, you know, I spent nearly four years as a service center manager. So in a call center type environment, but it was very service oriented to customers. You know, we were performing services for customers, but we supported both technicians and customers on this team that I, that I had a team of 18, very large. You know, I started out with six and then I had eight and then I bumped all the way up to 18. And it was just, you know, as a, as a people manager, you, you go on your own journey of like becoming H educated yes. in HR practices and, and all of the things mm -hmm. that, that we coach on at a daily basis, uh, recruiting, you know, performance management, all, all the things. So, um, you know, I felt like I had a, a really good education there, but I was pretty burnt out in that role. You know, I worked 60 plus hours a week on a slow week. Um, you know, so when I transitioned into a role without direct reports, um, it was quite welcome and that role happened to, to be HR. But this was also during a time when HR was, you know, they were sauce for the holiday parties and they, you know, told everybody what they could wear and what they couldn't wear. Right. You know, it was like we couldn't wear jeans except on the last Friday of the month. Like it was, you know, when I think back to like, you know, business casual is like the standard now, you know, and business casual means jeans. <laughs> right. Back then, it did not mean jeans. We had a business casual dress code, but it did not mean jeans. Um, we I literally remember writing a, um, a dress code policy where women could not have more than a three-quarter length uh, pant. Like, basically, like, capris. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we had, and it was just amazing. And so I think about that and, and, and then, like, you know, kind of put that up against Express, where, like, if you could buy it at Express, you could wear it. <laughs> That didn't always, right. you know, that didn't always necessarily uh, <laughs> quite go well. But, um, but yeah. So anyway, that role, you know, I did things like um, HR, uh, or I'm sorry, I did things like E-Verify when it first came out. So the company I worked for was a government contractor, and E-Verify was like just rolling out, um, and so we had to comply with it. It was mandatory. There was no, you know, it wasn't optional for government contractors at the time. So, uh, you know, that was just right out of the gate, something brand new, very compliance oriented. Really helped you get your I nine situation in in check because you know you now had this extra level of of support that you had to do um, to ver to verify someone's employment. Um, but I also did affirmative action and EEO, um, and and you know that's that is again is like just just a whole different world. It's like pre DKI, right? Like seriously, seriously. And and not only, you know, it wasn't just writing policies, you know, and and making sure that your program supported both affirmative action and EEO, but like you had to prove it. You know, so we had to document our efforts. We had to, you know, do the data analysis around the people that we had, the the makeup of the people that we had and where we had deficiencies. And so it really was 
pre D, you know, pre DEI, but like all the good stuff. Like it was the foundation that I always, you and I always talk about, like, you just need a foundation. Like, you know, that'll help you so much. You still have all these extra things you have to do, but just having a foundation will help you. So yeah, I I really think that was big there. It was really big to learn that you were going to say something. I was just going to say, like, it's it's so crazy. You know, you really hit it on a nail. And I never thought of it this way, uh, especially EEOC being the DEI pre-DEI, right? Because of the reporting, the importance, that data that really kind of showed where the opportunities lie within an organization when it came to diversity and things of that nature. And I I love that. And I- It's an overt calling yourself out every year. Yeah, we literally called her every year and said, we don't have enough females in this this segment. We don't have enough um, minorities. And that's, of course, the term that we used in the past, right? It was all, it was how the EEOC reported. So if you didn't have- and it didn't it didn't even just stop there it was like how many asians how many black uh, african-american how many you know uh gosh uh, native americans like it was all of their different buckets and as you know like breaking it down like who are in the managerial positions oh yeah all the the executives so it was really interesting to to uh, cut my teeth if you will on that aspect of it because it wasn't just like lip service it was you had to document your interview processes differently you had and you know and to this day if you if you work in a business that has government contracts you know you would you still need to to manage to those requirements so um it definitely was again one of those compliance check boxes that I had, you know, E-Verify, Affirmative Action EEO, I trained managers on it. I trained them on how to, you know, interview, how to, to make good notes when they're interviewing so they could really, you know, express why they selected somebody. And, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's skill-based, but like, you know, you still want to make sure that you're they're being fair. And so um, I did that. I did performance management. I trained people on it. I rolled out new systems on it. I did secession planning. I wrote policies. You know, I think I said it already. I did the annual holiday party, which like, again, I don't, again, the HR besties podcast was just talking about that. Why does HR have the holiday party? Like, and, and, you know, and I'm an introverted person as well, but I would always have to like speak at like this, you know, thing at the holiday party. And we always did a formal affair. And so it was just like, oh, it was, it was panic. You know, I had to like introduce our, our general manager, I think was the title that he might've had, but it was, it was always just like panic mode for me. But, but again, yeah, I had to, I was put in very uncomfortable situations that really served me later. Um, but I led, you know, leadership training programs, onboarding, ex-interviewing. I managed the HR dashboard. Um, the list just, you know, kind of can go on and on. But it, it was a world, a whirlwind of learning and doing and a real hands-on introduction to all the facets of HR, including compensation. You know, I had an individual who had been there for quite some time and he was an HR business partner, but he also was responsible for compensation. Um, I helped with open enrollment, didn't necessarily like manage any of the stuff that like, you know, you and I are used to managing now in terms of like costing and budgeting and all that kind of stuff, but like just the support of of open enrollment, um, recruiting, you know, and all the general HR administration. So for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything. I, like that bar is going to be hard to like, you know, right? hit with another job but <laughs> but after about two and a half years i just was like man okay it's time for me to venture out of this little bubble um it's a thousand person organization i had experience with canadian law as well and so it was it really really served me well i've been with the company for nine years so it was hard to leave um and i know people that i worked with that are still there and so people don't leave that leave that company it's a, it's a great company and i i you know i will forever be grateful for the for the education that i got <laughs> 
But uh, that's how I found my way into fashion, apparel retail at Express, which, you know, at the time, and you can probably appreciate this, you know, Express was a place that I shopped as a teenager. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I can have a job at one of these places. Um, but yeah, I, I was there, I think, about a year before I met you. And here we are, eight years, three companies and many promotions for both of us. Right. right. <laughs> no, seriously. And like, you know, also huge shout out to Express because still to this day, you know, at the time that I joined Express, I wasn't really wearing Express yeah. partly because I couldn't afford it. Um, but also at the time, I didn't really think it was my style because I was still finding my style. But now now, you can't tell me anything to the fact this is Express and I have one right now. Like, I love Express. And when I worked there and just remembering the times and, and all the little fun things we were able to take advantage of, like, yes, Express. Yes. You, you you helped to establish this great this great rapport that I now have with uh, with Kathy. <laughs> yes, yes. I, it, I will always forever be indebted there as well. I mean, six years, nearly six years there. And, and, you know, it was, I feel like we were in the heyday. Uh, obviously, we don't know anybody that worked there right now. Right. For us, it was sort of a heyday of some, HR, of some HR folks, and we still talk to many of those people today. And so, and and I've loved to watch all of their, all of their um, journeys grow as well. Um, but yeah, I mean that that sounds like so much when I think about it. Um, but for every HR role that I that I took after that. Um, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning of like knowing when to walk in the gray and when when to like stay on the line. Um, you know, all each one of my HR roles has helped me sort of dive into that a little bit further. I think we're always learning, right? You know, and yeah. and sort of what what you can and what you can't do. Um, but you know, let's before we get into all of that, I, let's get into your journey a little bit more post St. Vincent's because you know it's like, that's where the bug bit you, and so um, yes. you know that I we already learned how you accidentally got into HR. Um, <laughs> but what what made you stay? Did you choose it? Did it choose you? Again, like tell me all the things you know, you know in terms of how you how you decided to keep going and and it's so funny because obviously you know me outside of working you know I'm very intuitive I'm very you know spiritual when like if I have a feeling or something just comes over me I I listen and I allow it to take me wherever it you know it feels like taking me and so when I um you know again got my experience at St. Vincent Family Center within HR um I really felt as though it was my calling, um, you know, from the aspect of me still being in a role that allowed for me to be service oriented, but also in a sense, whereas I feel as though my personality kind of helped, you know, t turn things around of what how people portrayed HR per se, you know, they think HR just do the hiring, firing, and they're always mean and things of that nature. And, you know, my personality, I'm like this inside and outside the workplace. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm definitely, you know, a, a positive person, but, you know, can also um, tell you the real. <laughs> yeah, tell you the real, but do so, you know, coming from a, a place of kindness and um, um, empathy. So I, I would say, HR for me was a little bit more of a calling as I continue to get exposure to the different areas of the business. Um, and I'm going to interrupt you there really quick. I would always yeah. tell people when I would be like, oh, wait till you meet Shwanda. She's the best. She's like the nicest person you'll ever meet. I always tell them. That would always be like the thing that I would say about you because you are just like 
so nice. I'm like, I don't even think I like hit the bar there. Like, it, 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 so that, that, like, that is something about your reputation that people are always, oh my God, she's so great. She's just so sweet and so nice. Yeah. And of course, kindness, you know, I know that that is. Thank big. you. Thank you. And you know, it's so funny because I feel as though even still when I, you know, I'm having those tough, difficult conversations with people, I, you know, deliver the message, but also they're like, you know, like, I hear you, Shawanda, because this is just like, yeah. okay, yeah, like this nice person is <laughs> right. like, okay, she means real deal. Like I need yeah. to get my, my stuff together. Um, But, you know, after St. Vincent Family Center and really coming in to express, again, that kind of immersed me a little bit more in a structured corporate style environment that I had not known before. And so learning all the things that express, you know, stepping into the associate service center, whereas you're still doing HR, but it's from a call center environment. And so my path and progression there allowed me to be in the trenches of being on the phones first, you know, delivering the uh, the HR um you know, responsibilities and then eventually embarking on the senior, you know, uh, HR shared service representative team lead where I then got to dabble and, you know, helping to oversee people, do like monitoring, coaching people that really gave me my exposure of coaching and then eventually leading uh, me to be uh, become the supervisor of the department. And so I believe, again, with Express, that allowed me to really kind of elevate um, yeah. and stretch myself from being an individual contributor into being, you know, a, a manager. And so from that, um, you know, overseeing a lot of people, a lot of different personalities, you know, then kind of, you know, led to my my next venture of going into helping with the brick and uh, motor retail stores. So stepping off into those next positions really allowed me to continue elevating myself um, and becoming a more strategic um, HR business partner. And that is something that I, again, I don't take for granted and definitely, you know, want to thank you for being a part of that that journey, which has really enriched, enriched me and helped me to figure out what it is that I want to continue to do and how I can continue to uh be a great HR partner for for any business going forward. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about the the fact that we have worked together for so long, um, you know, one would think that like our our experiences would be the same, but they're not, right? You know, I think that, right. you know, we obviously having different held different roles. Um, and we got to spend, I don't know, at least a year apart, right? With, with you and a guess and me somewhere else. Um but, you know, that's I think that What's interesting is, you know, as I got have gotten to see you grow in your in your roles, it's just not just seeing you be a manager, but like seeing you become a leader. And so I'm curious, you know, what your, you know, how you would describe like your leadership journey, because, you know, even when you don't have direct reports, you know, you're still a leader in the business, especially if you are coaching and giving feedback on performance and helping managers through tough conversations, right? They're looking to you for leadership. And so talk to me a little bit about how it's felt to go from that, like, peer to, you know, supervisor, manager, and, and really, again, just elevating that leadership kind of space. Yeah. So, you know, what's what's super funny to me about leadership, because first and foremost, I'll take a step back. I'm one where, you know, yes, titles are a thing, but to me, like titles may not essentially be be a, a necessity because I'm more about like how are, how are we treating um, individuals and what are we doing? And so from a leader perspective, 
I, I wouldn't say that I've always been a leader because I'm always, you know, whether I'm supporting coworkers, you know, helping somewhere, because again, just being service oriented, it has allowed me to really, um, really take on uh, the responsibility of helping people. And it was just something I did on my own, more specifically stepping into HR and doing it from a leadership role. I can I can say that it was an eye opener. Um, once you get exposure to being a manager yourself, and then you're leading another manager and how to lead their team in essence. And so it, it really was a journey around um, me being able to establish relationships, first building the trust, obviously, um, and establishing those relationships that allowed me to, you know, be a supportive partner and a um, a coach, a mentor, if you will, with regards to helping to have, you know, coach people in performance management outside of me doing the direct coaching myself, but helping to equip the manager with being able to carry out those responsibilities on their own. And then also, as I was able to, you know, get into to rooms that I didn't necessarily imagine myself at, at you know, the, the, the earlier stages of my HR career being in, um, you know, it allowed me to really get to know the you know, senior leaders within the business, how they interact, how they communicated uh, with people, how they made decisions and allowed me to really be vocal and be able to speak up to have an input in those rooms, um, as well as, again, allowing for my suggestions, ideas and things of that nature to be taken into consideration and it's it's something that was a challenge as you know for me at first um but I think the more that I showed up as a as my authentic self the more people were appreciative of yeah. you know what I was about what I was wanting to do and the place that I was coming from um and it allowed me to really kind of um, put myself in a position to really be looked at as a leader, even in, again, even in times of, of um, uncertainty and uh, challenges and in not so fun times, it really allowed me to just, again, just kind of be there to, to vocalize who I was as a person, what I was wanting to do and the partnerships that I was yeah. looking to establish. Well, I think when you found your voice, you found your voice like in a, in yes. And it, you showed up different and you, you know, it's, yeah. and so I think it's so empowering when you, when you realize, okay, yeah, I like people are listening to me and, and I'm mm -hmm. doing, I'm doing this. Right. And so yeah. I think the thing about leadership it, that I find so interesting is that, you know, we all have our own styles, but as HR folks, we have to help people find their style, flex into a different style and, and all of those kinds of things that I, um, that always challenges me as a leader, right? Just myself, right? Because I'm trying to always help people, you know, think differently, but I'm like, oh, but now I have to think differently sometimes too. And so it's, um, yes. I think it's great when, when you have a team and, you know, it, you and, and some other folks that I've had report to me help me become a better leader, right? And it's, you know, because you have to, you have to get get feedback as much as you give it <laughs> you have to invite it um so i thank you for that <laughs> along the way um but uh yeah i think it's it's such a it's such a journey in hr when you get to be on all fronts right and i think that that's mm -hmm. the the unique thing about our journey where it's very similar in that we were in startup and living in startup is <laughs> Look, another one. It is its own thing. But again, it's like, 
but I love it. Like I don't, I can't wait. I can't stay away from it. So it's retail and it's startup, and so it's yeah. retail, this fast-paced monster. But mm-hmm. you know, then you layer on startup on that, and um, and it's just, I just love it. And so I do find it hard to not be in that space. So now as an HR consultant, I'm still in that space, and and I. Yeah, I just, I realize even more so now, it's like, okay, I love retail and e-commerce, but like, I think it's the startup thing that, you know, sort of, because it's so interesting because it's never really the same thing every day. It's just slightly, yeah, <laughs> slightly different. You're all way different. You know, sort of not reinvent the wheel. You're also able to leverage all of these things that you've done in the past and bring them you know into wherever you are but like just elevate it even more as as, as another iteration right of the, the things that we've we've both had that experience together right so yeah and, yeah you know even just to add on to that i think what's so fascinating about the hr field is the fact that again like businesses grow times are changing literally how HR functioned, you know, years ago isn't the same way in which it's functioning now. And it's not going to be the same way in the future. And it's so, to me, like, it's so enlightening. And I'm always sitting here like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for what's next. You know, the future of HR in itself is what's super intriguing for me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to be a part of the the evolution of HR and, and, you know, be a part of helping a company, you know, um, evolve as well. And so I don't know. I, I do think that HR again is my calling. And I love now seeing a lot of people come into the field, a lot of people that really are pushing for the change that we are wanting to see and what we've been trying to strive for in previous years when it comes to HR truly being um, strategic partners. And so it's exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a good segue into the next topic that I wanted to cover, which was, you know, again, the accidental nature of, of HR careers, right? It's it's I mentioned I was trying to find some statistics about, you know, what's the, the what's the the percentage of people that just kind of fall into HR and that's not necessarily really out there. But, you know, I did I did find um uh, that the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that HR is going to grow by 6% over the next 10 years. This was, you know, their 2022 data. Um, but they indicate that that's faster in average. And the average growth rate for all occupations is only about 3%. So it's like double what most other occupations will grow by. And so, yeah. you know, in 2022, there were eight. 874,500 HR jobs. And based on the projected growth, that means they're going to be another 51,400 that will enter the the field of HR in the next 10 years. And when you think about the accidental nature of it, right? Like how many people today right now are, you know, doing something that's somewhat adjacent to HR, right? Whether it's L&D that doesn't belong in HR where their organization lives and they're going to find their way over into HR doing doing an HR business partner role or something right. like that, right? Like I, those are the kinds of things that I think about. But um, I, so again, as I was looking for these statistics, I, I found a an article, literally I, I Googled like, uh, percentage of people fa- who fall into HR. I think, you know, something very, very simple. Um, and I read an article on Lattice from like 2020 uh, that spotlighted an HR director um, at Career Plug. And I, and I don't know what that company is all about, but um, she was quoted as saying two things that totally resonated with me for our topic today. And that is number one, human resources will never be boring because humans are never boring. I I was like, that's it right there. (laughs) Very boring. 
Um, and you know, and I was like, that's, that's like the best quote I think I've ever heard. Um, but then she also said HR is often painted as this black and white role. And this kind of goes back to like, you know, me, me talking about being very compliant, like, and, and it's not always black and white in HR, but she said, um, HR is often painted as a black and white role, but it's actually a rainbow. It requires not a reading of the rules, but an interpretation and judgment and connection. And you're going to have a lot of fun, right? That, that was, that was her. And I love that. I was like, that is, that's it. hundred percent true. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The article also referenced um, that a large number of her peers that literally, quote unquote, accidentally ended up in the field. <laughs> so um, I, I would like, so again, I found plenty of articles about that. Um, there was even an article from Workforce.com from 2018 um, that shared five paths of falling into HR um, that I thought we I could share and we could kind of talk about. Um, yeah. Of course, they start out by saying, Raise your hand if you grew up dreaming of a career in HR. <laughs> like, no one. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, and I'd say today maybe a little bit different. I think, you know, now they have degree programs. Yes. Yeah. And I took my, my uh, master's degree, I had to pick like organizational leadership, right? So it was either psychology or organizational, you know, something business management that then took you to HR uh, back in the day. And now they have HR, you know, management programs. But um, so anyway, what the, the five paths that were identified um, were one, I started at the bottom. Now I'm here, right? So maybe you started out as an HR coordinator or recruiting coordinator, something like that. We got, you know, really the front end. Um, and there's something that that um, that you kind of said, which is I'm a people person. You know, I'm an introvert, but you love helping people, right? You know, and so maybe people person. Or number three, I got dropped into HR on an interim basis and never left. That might also blame you. So, yeah, I was gonna say. So I guess I'm like a little you know, split there. Yeah. Um, the other one, number four, was I was good at a specialty related to HR and ended up running the whole HR show. Um, and so that's you know again could be somebody who's HR adjacent and ends up you know kind of doing everything. And then the last one, I failed at another job at a co- at my company and they moved me into HR so they didn't have to fire me. <laughs> I was like. I mean, you know, back in the you know back in the day, they did. They used oh. to sort of put people where where they thought they could. Sure, because you know any because anybody can do HR. You know that was the thing. Yeah, I actually read something. I don't know if it was on LinkedIn this morning or on Instagram. I was you know doing my social media morning update this morning, and uh, again, I don't know where it was, but it was like, is is there any other field where everyone thinks they can do the job? except HR. And then somebody said marketing. <laughs> and then it was like marketing and HR. Everybody thinks they can do marketing and HR. And it takes special people to do special jobs. And I always say that I say that to like my daycare providers who, you know, help, you know, help me be able to work full-time job, right? I tell them I walk in with a room full of screaming kids and I'm like special people who do special jobs. <laughs> no, seriously, because you know, my saying, and I stand by this always, it's common sense is not so common common you know at the end of the day so again it definitely takes special people to do special jobs especially in, uh, especially in hr yes yes so um so again another good segue i think unintentionally but a good segue to the different the different areas within hr you know recruiting training employee relations you know i always say that i'm a very good recruiter but i don't 
I don't love it. I don't like it. Right. And I know that I'm good at it, but man, it just, it's a killer sometimes. And, and I look for those folks when I'm hiring for recruiters that are just like, they love it. They love it. Right. Like I don't, I don't have that in me, but I can do it. You know, I've scaled a company from one to 60 and I probably hired the first 30 myself, but it's, it's a, it's a lot. It, it takes a lot. And I think, you know, when you break down all the different roles and, and that's part of what you and I both got to do is like, because we've done this more operational, you know, sort of approach to HR, we've really got to touch everything again, comp, then, you know, everything. Yes. Uh, yes. Especially associate relations, um, training, building it, delivering it, it doesn't matter. Um, but yes. I'm curious what, you know, your your preferred area of interest is if you had to pick one um and do you thrive in some more than others you know for example again i use the recruiter but also and i and i i really hate to say this but like you know we both lived in this dni space for a really long time that was like so hard like during the time that we were going through but like again it takes really special people to be able to manage that emotional work that goes along with that type of role every single day because it's a different type of emotional work And, and so i know i'm not cut out to be the best person to do that either but i'm not afraid to admit it right i'm i i, I put yeah. in the category of know enough to be dangerous and i'm a great supporter but i i know that i'm not necessarily the one to be driving and creating all of the programs all of the time when it comes to that so tell me a little bit about you know what where your favorite spaces are you know my favorite spaces uh within HR or, or what I would like to say is like my niche, you know, when you think of, of um, people and culture, it, it really is talent management and mm. all that it entails because I, I truly feel wholeheartedly um, that, again, like my calling is to help shape careers, mm-hmm. elevate teams, contribute to the s- success of a company, you know? Yeah. So I do believe that talent management um majority of what that entails is is included in that and it's the things that I enjoy so you think of employee development um employee engagement succession planning um career pathing you know performance management helping to design onboarding programs or developing efficient you know and inclusive hiring processes like those those are things that I enjoy and so I I would say under the umbrella of like my preferred area as it relates to HR would fall within that realm but I also can relate to what you talked about about um recruiting recruiting can I do you're so great at good it at it yes I'm, I'm, I got it I'm good at it yes but do I prefer to do it no, no I would no. rather not um do it but I I will be because again I, I just think that you know just be in the face of the company or the be the um be the example or the first initial interaction that a person has with the company is yeah. important and if I need to be that representative you know what I mean I will yeah um but I would prefer not to do yeah. recruiting yeah <laughs> but I will say I will say I'm going to give us both some credit here so I you know I do think that we go out of the way and this is certainly a problem that that I, I 
everyone is sharing so much about on LinkedIn these days. And that is like the just the candidate experience and like making sure that you close the loop and, you know, you really get back to people. And and I always try to do that. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect or you're perfect and people haven't fallen through the cracks. But, you know, I would hope that 99.5% of the time or 99.9% of the time that we've always tried to make sure that we close the loop with folks. And um, I think that we've always gotten great feedback about people's candidate experience. And I love that because... Uh, even though we don't we don't pride ourselves on being like, you know, <laughs> recruited being our passion, we do right. like doing a great job of it. And I think the one thing that I actually do enjoy most about the recruiting process is just being able to tell someone that we're offering them a job. That That's sort of like the, the thing that I love the most because, you know, people are you know, people are looking for roles for a reason. And sometimes it is just to have a job and other times it's because they're really trying to grow their career. So I'm always um, very happy to be able to give people offers and and then see them, you know, kind of then come into the company and and grow from there. And so um, yes. that, that that will never get old. That part will never get old. <laughs> right. It's right. back to back to back. That's a little time. <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, again, like it may not be my preferred part of HR, yeah. but it's something that, you know, I can always keep in my back pocket as I I can do it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, I think that it's um, it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah. How about, how about you? Yeah, I was gonna say, even in the course of my consulting work, like I plan to do recruiting at some point, but again, it, it won't be the first thing that I do for <laughs> for folks. Yes. But uh, but for me, okay. So what do I what do I enjoy the most? I think that's the that's the thing that I've learned most about myself is that I really like the variety. I feel like when I lack the variety in my week of being able to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, it does tend to sort of. Um, I don't, I don't know if stress is the right word, but it definitely like just layers on this a little bit of, I feel like I'm not getting anything done, yeah. you know? And sometimes, you know, in the roles that I have, uh, have all I do is talk to people all day, every day for five days. And um, and I don't necessarily get any project work done or, or things like that. And you know that all too well. When we have our own touch bases, I would be like, oh gosh, I still have not gotten to that. Uh, just so you know, um, you know, but I think that as I'm as I'm transitioning into, you know, and I have fully transitioned into consulting, that's what I enjoy the most is this just this variety. And I do. I still have this engagement with people. I'm still having calls, you know, Zoom calls, in-person, you know, meetings from time to time. I got to, to visit a client last week. Um, and so I'm but then I'm. I have a, a block of time where I get to go work on a project. I get to go do a thing and deliver a <laughs> deliver a thing right and yeah. being able to have that balance and it's still not perfect but being able to have that be more balanced i think is great but i i also think as i've as i'm transitioning here i do love the coaching aspect i i really enjoy and, I, and i'm even helping you know people that that aren't in in the business that I support, right? Just from a one-on-one -on -one standpoint, um, they're yeah. looking for their next role and just helping coach them through that. Like, is it okay to email the the company? It's been a week, you know, what do I say? You know, just helping out with things like that or just, you know, helping them stay confident in their in their interview journeys. But um, I am finding a, a lot of, of pleasure out of that, uh, but also just that just balance, I think is is probably the the key there. Yeah, um, yeah. all yeah. things. And, you know, it's, it's again, like both of us, you know, are very similar in the fact that 
you know, we've been in a role that has been in roles that's given us exposure to all parts, you know, of HR. And that is something that I do not take for granted because there's a lot of people that are, I hate to say it, but like, you know, one show ponies and that, that same, but I do believe that being able to have had that experience where I'm at right now within my, my, you know, my career and just personal life, it really allowed me to really take a step back and think about what, what, where are the parts, parts of the job that bring me the most joy, you know, and it really helped me to narrow down, you know, the areas, um, that I enjoy doing so much and that I would prefer, you know, to, to do, you know, long-term going forward. But as always, I'm going to continue to dabble in everything, Uh, but I do really enjoy those aspects of, um, of HR. Yeah, but even even to your to your comment about one show pony, I can't remember the last time I met somebody who just only did one thing. Like, right? That's a hello. No, right? It's like I don't feel like that exists anymore. And even you know, even folks who are in recruiting roles, like they're responsible for the whole candidate experience. Sometimes taking them all the way up through to onboarding, and you know, the, yeah. they can't just only think about just staffing, right? They have to think about so many yeah. other things. And um, there's assessments, and you know, just it's it's just such an interesting yeah. space that we're in that is just evolved so much where I think before yeah. how you might have somebody who did the same thing yep. day in and day out, but it's not likely anymore. Not, not likely. Yeah. Um and it, <laughs> Yeah. So it, it'll it'll keep evolving as you said it <laughs> and we'll be here for that. So so I think that brings us, you know, kind of to the end of what what I intended for us to talk about today. Is there is there anything that you'd like to add or, you know, kind of th- as if you think about everything we talked about today that like, you know, anything that resonates that you want to just, you know, reiterate. You know, for me, I I believe that all that we talked about today was just simply a reminder for me around my path, you know, into HR of how I started out up to where I am today. And it was very refreshing, you know, to be able to to talk about that because that isn't something I I believe that has happened, you know, within within my my life personally. And one thing that truly does stand out and I think will for ever stand out is the simple fact that HR is a lot of things and it truly is um, special with regards to the the place and the I would say the importance in which we have when it comes to an organization that I am again just in hopes of what I'm seeing now that companies will really you know tap into their HR leaders and allow them to again be a part of the truly be strategic partners um, you know from a leadership perspective to help elevate their businesses. Yeah yeah and I think that's it's happening more and more, you know, it's, it's happened at the the companies that we've worked for. We've seen it evolve even since we've been, been there. And, uh, I, and I'm seeing it as a, as a consultant that, you know, there's just a, there's definitely a need and people, people are starting to, to realize the the full value. Now there's still plenty of education to be done, but right. there's still, <laughs> there's still a full package that, that HR brings. Um, and so I, you know, encourage everyone to continue, um, you know, checking in with us here at uh, Patterns of Progress, but also to uh, visit Shawanda's uh, podcast, HR Tale Tales, so you can hear a little bit more about, you know, the human side of HR, like you said, and also the humorous side. 
because um, there's a lot of that. Um, I'm I'm getting a huge kick out of the HR Besties podcast. Like they just like crack me up, and I feel like they do. I was also they're funny. I'm like all the things they talk about. It's like yes, 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 yes. Um, it's but it's it, again, it's still fun. I think one of the ladies says uh, um, the HR masochist because even though some days you have a really like horrible. A horrible like, day experience but you come back from war and you know it's okay <laughs> and that's the thing because like we we do we know that it's not always rainbows and sunshines we've had our fair share of sh- shenanigans um but it's it is it's it's funny to like hear it from other people's perspective but you can relate to it <laughs> you know? yes yeah yeah because yeah. too often we live in our own little bubble and we're just like yep. oh yeah this is not happening anywhere else but it actually it is it's, it's happening everywhere uh, yes. but anyway i want again thank you for joining me today and helping me in in my you know next journey and um it's i i say all the time that you know i have hired you what four times i'd hire you again but like no i want to see i want to see what you're going to go off and do uh because i know you're going to do amazing things and uh we'll we'll still have our you know we're still going to have our check-ins because at this point in my life i don't know how i can it's been eight years how do i go how do i go another another eight without having a touch of (laughs) it's too hard um so thank you again for taking time to to spend with me on this today and again everybody uh hr telltales and watch uh watch shawanda as she grows in her journey and check us both out on linkedin and uh please feel free to to submit any questions or comments that uh that resonate with you uh, and maybe tell us a little bit about how you how you accidentally fell into hr so uh can't wait to uh hopefully hear some uh some folks journeys as well even if it's just those that might reach uh, out directly so thank you again and uh, have a great rest of the day